0: a young police officer called ken wharf was out on the beat his day changed when a call came
1: through to a police box i picked it up and there was this um, grumpy old sergeant and he said to me can you hear that music lad and i said no sarge i said there's a lot of traffic here and he <laughs> said he said well get your mate from shaftesbury avenue to go and turn it down wherever it is i said yeah okay." and it was the song get back and i knew then of course it it, it was the beatles that sound was so distinctive coming from their offices of the Apple Building at 3 Savile Row. So I, like everybody else, sort of quickened the pace, because I wanted a bit of the action as well. And then turn right to Savile Row, cabbies had stopped, guys stood on the corner with their pipes and rolled newspapers, just looking up and just joining in. It was just an amazing atmosphere. Time alone would tell us whether this was the right or the, or the wrong thing to do.
2: Welcome to this week's Wednesday with Fab. I'm Ed Shin.
3: And I'm John Stone.
2: Well, joining us for our big finale here, two of the Talk More Talkers. We've got Queen of All Beatles Media, Kit O'Toole. Hey, Kit.
0: Hey, Ed. Hi, John.
2: And yes, her partner in crime from Talk More Talk, uh, a man who's been on this show a couple times at least, Tom Hunyadi. Hey, Tom. Hello, Ed, Kit, and John. Uh, Nice to be here again. Thank you, guys. Hello, Tom. We're down to the final two days of the Get Back sessions here.
3: Oh, we're doing the second day, too.
2: (laughs) News-wise, this show is particularly appropriate because, well, at the end of the month, and then again for a couple days next month, the rooftop is going to get shown in IMAX at selected theaters around the U.S. and the U.K.
4: Yeah, very selected. As I'm sitting here bitter.
3: It should be not at a theater near you.
2: Hey, there's two within 10 miles of me. <laughs> oh, brag away, buddy. Brag away.
3: <laughs> Watch it twice for me.
2: I can't go to both of them. They're showing at the same time. So I'm going to the nice IMAX. So you got your ticket then, Ned? I do indeed have my ticket. Excellent. And people complain about paying two bucks for a month of Disney. <laughs> <laughs> How much are the tickets? Depending on the theater, between 22 and 25 bucks. Okay.
0: Ooh.
3: With a cocktail.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A guy in a red wig comes and pours wine for you. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll hold up the lyrics for you. And then beyond that, we learned that there is a bare-bones Blu-ray coming in early February.
4: Oh, yes. That's the big thing, really. Should people be on an uproar about this? Because we know from the interview with Peter Jackson on things we said today that if that's the plan, I mean, if this sells well, then we'll get the extended cut. I say let's get the extended cut right away.
2: If I were slightly more cynical, I would think that Peter Jackson was paid to do two, three-hour podcast interviews for the express purpose of letting people know that right you know (laughs) here here, peter here's some money we don't care what else you talk about but you got to throw in there somewhere buy 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 (laughs) get the streaming and of course we haven't announced it yet but they'll know what you're talking about as soon as we make this announcement Hmm.
3: so clarify something for me is there going to be a standalone rooftop showing and then there will be peter jackson's movie
2: so what they're showing on the 30th is an hour-long rooftop it's a
3: different cut we don't know because if you're going to see the rooftop concert you don't need a bunch of cutaways to the street
4: right so you think this imax showing should be just the concert and not the split screen
3: stuff i I believe that's the case yes Oh, you can split the screen there there there's several moments in the movie where I think they're singing, I've Got a Feeling, and John sings a unison part with Paul, and Paul goes right. And John kind of smiles at him. And in the rehearsals, he tries to sing a harmony, which never really works, but he sings unison there. And mm. you only see that because there's a split screen.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be cool if in this IMAX version, they did just have except for moments like that, as you mentioned, John, to just have the concert. Because much as we're going to talk about it in this show, much as I did like having the different scenes going on, if I were to just see a special screening like that, I don't think I'd want to have all of that going on at once. I would want mm. to see just the concert right. you know, for a special event like that. But yeah, it's not clear from the press releases or anything.
2: I would hope for a re-edit, but I don't see it happening. Hmm. The closest I see us coming to that is maybe on the Blu-ray, you can choose the angle. You'll have uh, one angle, which is the way it is on TV, and then you can go into any one of the single.
4: That would make a nice Blu-ray special feature, because I don't think there would be enough space to do that on DVD, but that would be a great Blu-ray special feature. That would, yeah, that'd be a nice feature.
3: The question that would come up is, you know, when you do the cutaways and they're on the street, then the sound of the music changes because it's at a distance.
4: But I think that's one of the great things about that script screen You're hearing it the way those people down below are hearing it. Yeah. That's what I appreciate about it.
2: You know, I mean, we'll find out at the end of the month, but my suspicion is that we're just going to get a spiffed up version of what was on TV. I don't think that they would have gone in and re-edited the previous theatrical showings for the Glitterati. From all accounts, that was just what was in the film, right. plus one of the other days. Right Now, I don't know what the other 18 minutes is. I mean, right. some of that is credits, of course.
4: Yeah, if you want to take advantage of it being an IMAX and with that surround sound, then it should just focus on the the concert. Yes, and not not about the other stuff.
2: As I mentioned, to kit—they're already going under a challenge by blowing this up to IMAX at all. Yeah, at least if you're doing the split screens, right. nothing is larger than a regular theater screen. Gotcha. Yeah, good so, point. That's true.
3: They may be headed for a you know an ultimate box set where you have the original eight-hour yes. series, and then the rooftop concert, and then mm-hmm. credits and the rock and roll sessions. We could Man. be here for several years.
4: And hopefully the original Let It Be film. R- right. Yes. Yeah,
2: I, yes. Where's that? Yeah, I, yeah. I think they're probably going to be trying to run this through the whole year. I think this kind of isn't going to be a big year for Beatles stuff. I mean, solo stuff, we already know now that there's a sometime in New York City box. Right. Right. But, uh, you know, there will be a Harrison release, and there will almost certainly be a McCartney release of some sort.
4: Yeah, we already got the Wildlife High speed Master coming
2: next month, too. We left off last week, Paul and Yoko questioning whether the rooftop was going to happen. They all went home. They did not sleep at George's, despite John's (laughs) comment. And we entered the next day. We could see them setting up on the roof.
3: Right. For the uh, added bonus of having people on the street give their comments, I was surprised that you would dedicate three cameras to doing that. (laughs) You'd think you could cover that easier.
2: Well, and then there's that camera hidden inside the desk there.
3: Right. Which apparently was not all that hidden.
2: (laughs) The policeman just sort of came in and pointed at it.
3: George Martin looked in and goes, oh, look at that.
2: You know,
4: and uh, You know what, I keep forgetting to do is, is going back and looking at the records and seeing what the weather would have been on the 29th because that's the original date for the rooftop. And the see if the weather ended up being as bad as they thought it was going to be.
2: Hmm. And apparently, uh, Michael Lindsey Hogg was up to his old tricks, and there was also a microphone hidden in the flower pot <laughs> in the uh, front desk. <laughs> <laughs> it worked the other day.
3: There's something wrong with that guy. I
2: know. He's <laughs> so sneaky. <laughs> it was that microphone which apparently captured all of that dialogue that we got down on the uh, the cops would not have stood for a boom mic hanging over their heads oh. I don't think.
3: <laughs> and I hate to joke to the end but you know there's also the guy who comes in and goes, you know this camera's on my roof <laughs> <laughs> No, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> what, my what are you talking about?
2: <laughs> Poor Debbie. <Yeah. laughs>
0: Debbie was a hero, as far as I'm concerned. She was great. She stalled when she had to. She played dumb when she had to. I mean, wow. Well, you
1: know, I mean, what well, if you're doing the picture? I'm you can dub the sound onto the film. Huh? You know, the whole thing is about the live thing. it. It's got to be live.
2: But I only wish Michael Lindsay Hogg had managed to find a way to get a microphone into that meeting. Mm, Right. Yeah. Given where the Beatles were the previous evening, and we know that they had this meeting downstairs. And then they had another meeting right before they went on the roof.
0: Yeah, where it's mentioned that they were still unsure.
4: Right. And was Billy Preston in that meeting, too, I wonder.
3: I just wonder whether it's one of those stories that came to be. But is it necessarily that accurate? Because if they had a big meeting downstairs, then Hmm. why would they have, you know, they're they're like arguing about whether or not they're going to walk through that door and go out on the roof. That decision had to have been made already.
4: You know, a good story is a good story. We weren't going to go to America until we
2: had a number one hit.
3: And I'm sticking by that. In the face of all evidence, I'm sticking by the story.
2: The way Paul was going, I could s- still see him trying to stall. It's like, are we really going to do this? The thing about the story is that people do like to create dialogue in their own heads. But what John said, supposedly, is, "Eff it. <laughs> right. We're doing this. That sounds like him.
3: But that story sounds like, effort it. We're doing right. this. That he walked <laughs> through the door. But no, that's not the case. First, there's Ringo.
4: No, I think Paul came out first.
3: Did John push him out the door? Right.
4: (laughs) (laughs) And then the funny thing, too, is, you know, at the beginning of the month, he's the one that's gung ho for doing this show. And then all of a sudden, two, three days beforehand, he's getting cold feet.
3: We've gotten a little shy.
2: Right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I think it's you, Paul.
2: I'm also doing the day by day rewatch, which is also pretty interesting. But, you know, early on, John is out there saying, I'll do this. I'll go to Tunisia. I'll go on the boat. Right. Now he may have been high at the time, but uh, <laughs> but he, he has no objections to almost anything Michael Lindsay Hogg suggests.
3: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say right here that in all my experiences of being high, <laughs> of which of which I am well qualified,
0: <laughs> you're an authority.
3: I don't believe that John was really all that high through all this really might have smoked a joint here there but he's not really messed up at what point do you say well he's stoned there okay there's the sitting in the chairs right thing, and then he clearly is pretty high yeah. but i don't see him impaired
2: he was pretty out of it for about half a twickenum
3: okay four days
2: by apple i would absolutely agree with you
3: he was coming down from the new years yeah <laughs> <No. laughs> I just don't think he's as messed up as legend would have you believe.
2: I would agree to that. but And he also comes out and says that he abused himself. To previously, well, yeah. Much to Paul's uh, dismay. Right. Yes.
0: right. <laughs>
2: we see George Martin and Glenn Johns entering the Apple building. As you know, George Martin points at the camera. Oh, nice camera. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. And Now back to my observation that Ladies and gentlemen, George Martin produced Let It Be.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: There's no question in my mind that he is the producer of these sessions. Now, Why he's not credited, we'll find out.
2: I do like to, that the cameras actually catch <laughs> them in the basement getting ready to record. Yes. I also want to know, where's the... Footage from the closed-circuit TV camera, It does it still exist? Oh, my gosh. You know, because I never knew that there was a closed-circuit camera that they were watching the Rooftop concert yeah. with. Ah, okay, I didn't realize that. You make a point of showing it, so.
0: I really appreciate, in general, how Peter Jackson explained the whole setup, because I've heard, you know, before about how they had the multiple cameras on, but I really like how he set up the whole thing. And said, you know, there were these many cameras here. George Martin and Glenn Johns were here. It was this great.
3: Yeah, because you r- really understand how it was set up. Right.
0: Exactly. It- and, and it was pretty complicated. I mean, it just right. really it showed, showed you. Ten you know, cameras. Was it three or four on the roof? It was five
2: on the roof. Five on the roof, three on the street, one on the roof across the street, which didn't exist, of course. Right, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then the one hidden down in the lobby. Right.
3: And the closed circuit. Closed circuit footage, pro- mm. directed produced by Steven Spielberg.
2: <laughs> we see the main audience: the four people sitting up against the chimney. Mm-hmm. Chris O'Dell, Yoko, Maureen, and our friend from Apple US, Ken Mansfield. Is one of only a handful of people on the planet who can say he was on the rooftop of Apple Corps in London on January
3: 30th, 1969.
2: That was the main audience. One little bit I got out of here, they bought the chairs up with them. I, I always thought they were just sitting on the roof, but no, they had chairs.
3: <laughs> I noticed in the footage later after this show that they gather in the uh, control room. To listen mm-hmm. to playback and Linda's there yeah why got, wasn't
2: she on the roof
3: she's yeah. not on the roof
2: given the fact that they didn't know what day they were doing this it also now makes a lot more sense to me that oh Peter Asher wasn't there I'd always wondered why wasn't Peter Asher there didn't they tell him well they didn't know until the night before that they were absolutely positively doing this <laughs> yeah but I mean they you know, they had already hit the limit of the number of people they could get on the roof yeah
0: I think it was probably gonna collapse if they had too many more <laughs> I think
2: Debbie was being serious when she told that sergeant Ooh, She done me She done me good Yeah, that's right
1: Get some of our officers in, Yes, we're upstairs in the room. Are oh, they really? much yes. obliged to do. Would you, um, Would you, yeah. you, you. Would you mind if I go in? Yeah. Um, Would well, you mind? Would you mind if I go
0: in, Um We can go up, but don't go actually on the roof. It's okay. But if you're going the lift to the fourth floor...
4: They've the gone up, have they? Yeah. Don't
2: Thank you very much. He's the first one who actually looks like a cop.
3: He actually kind of looks like the cop from Yellow Submarine.
2: Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the order of them coming out, it's it's Paul and then Ringo, then Maureen, and then Billy. Billy. And then the rest of the band.
4: Mm. Yeah.
0: When Paul comes out first, I mean, you still see this look on his face. You know, still kind of like, I don't know.
4: Yeah, he's, he's checking it out. He's jumping on the plywood, you know, mm-hmm. making sure it's it's safe, I guess. So. Yeah, yep. you can still see there's some hesitation there, on-
2: Yep. Ringo makes his comment to Mal. Mal, ah.
1: they'll be down in the wrong place. That's <laughs> the last. <laughs> the three, the second floor. I think uh, we have some. <laughs> we work that out. Let's set them up. Yeah. I'll oh, do.
4: Quite right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is he going to do now? I mean, yeah. we're getting ready to play
3: <laughs> Well, you know, I was kind of following that And it sounds like he made him change it around I mean, at one point, he's kicking it as either a snare or his hi-hat or something, trying to move it over.
2: And it must have taken them a little while, because we start to see some people coming out on the roofs around them. Right. Before they get started, there's a couple people over on the, the roof, one over, who sort of yells at Paul and says, what's going on?
3: <laughs> right. Well, they, they, they could have had the studio technicians come up and, and test the instruments, and they could get on Ringo's drums and play Paul base. And-
2: <laughs> we don't know how long Mal and Kevin had been up there. So. Yeah, that's true. There's one really nice shot of Paul with Big Ben behind him. Yes. It's very brief, and we don't see a lot of it, but that will be really nice to see in IMAX. Oh, yeah. definitely.
0: Yeah, shut up, Ed.
3: <laughs> Ed, that show, you do alone. <laughs>
2: We're not doing another rooftop show, <laughs> and and besides, that, that's the same day that we've got Ken on with us. Well,
0: they're playing it in Chicago, aren't they, Kit? Well, they probably are, but I'm just kind of nervous to go with. Okay, them. but I'll I'll live vicariously through Ed.
3: <laughs> what I'm hoping is that they're going to use the, all the footage from the rooftop concert and put it with an Oculus, so that you can oh, actually geez. stand on the roof with them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go
3: even walk between the members
0: <laughs> now we're talking
3: right
4: you have a hologram of yoko sitting next to you or something
3: <laughs> <laughs> she's not in a good mood that day i don't think no
0: she wasn't
3: and so she yoko was. would be glaring at you on the roof
4: yoko on one side and maureen on the other and
2: hologram form
0: i'll be like i'll just sit next to maureen more right. <laughs> she was having a blast
2: but Paul had released "The live and let die from one of his live shows in Oculus form and that was really really cool uh-huh. dad, you, you know you were you were basically on the stage next to Paul at the piano and then you could look around and see everybody and, and it actually it actually worked <laughs> properly unfortunately the company that did that is no longer in business
4: okay
3: so real you could be burned by the flashpot
2: <laughs> <laughs> having been in the first couple of rows it's darn hot when those things go oh, off. Oh yeah, I, bet. I mean into the audience is hot. Mm. Now the word is that Paul takes out his uh, hearing aids before he does live and let die. I've heard this from from uh, at least a couple of people, right? <laughs> Well,
4: I believe that now that uh, that interviewer spilled the beans about Paul's yep. hearing aid.
2: Haven't we known that for at least a year? I don't recall ever hearing that. No, me either. Uh, okay, mm. I mean, I, I, you know, again, I'd heard this. I'd heard the story of him taking him out before live and let die before the last tour. So, mm, okay, oh. he's at least had it since then.
0: Mm.
3: You think you could afford earbuds that could be controlled by the sound guy, the soundboard? You know, mm. click it off.
4: I'll <laughs> just charge another hundred dollars for a ticket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So then they finally get going. They start with just a brief get back about right. a thirty-second sound check warm up. Yeah,
3: yeah. Kind of start yeah. start with the solo really.
4: Which is pretty cool. I, I mean, it sounds great. I mean, they sound like they've got an idea of what they're doing up there and, you know, kind of get the jitters out, get the cobwebs off. And, you know,
2: I thought it was pretty cool. Then they go into the song for real. George counts it in. Right.
1: Come on, you
3: Okay. One, two, three, four. Kind of a rough version, but...
2: A little bit. And, and this is where Peter Jackson starts in on his, uh, his Woodstock style. <laughs>
3: <laughs> of, yeah.
2: Into split screens and then into trip ditch. And he does some really cool things throughout with the three screens.
0: Yeah, and at first I thought, oh no, you know, that he's not going to just show the concert. But then... You know, I see what he's doing. Peter Jackson's a storyteller, and right. there were so many stories going on. There was, of course, the concert itself—the great story, which was really comical with the police, and then what was going on with people in the streets, saying, "You know, what the heck is this?" and the different right. reactions. And I mean, you know, there were just so many great things going on.
1: The Beatles uh, doing a free concert on the roof. Nah, yeah, what do you think about? I think it's very good. Why aren't they doing this in the street? They just talking you'd Yeah, it. Yeah, well, well, we don't start to see them. Well, I think it's a very good thing.
0: It woke me up from my sleep and I don't like it. Yeah!
2: Unlike the original Let It Be, Peter Jackson did a good job of limiting the street stuff to setups in between songs for the most part.
0: Right.
4: They did do such in between the, the first two get backs. Yeah. You do get down below, you you see them talking. I I like the fact that they're talking to younger people and older people. originally back then, you know, which I thought was a great touch.
0: I agree. (laughs) Yeah, you get a bit of everything. You know, once I kind of figured out, oh, okay, I see, you know, and then you really do see like, wow, there was more than just the concert. I think he did an incredible job.
3: What struck me was that it almost is like a Monty Python sketch. The characters that are in this, you know, the vicar and... Sir, we must have your comment. What do
1: you think of it? What's going on? Mr. Bean. What gives? What's happening? We decided to play for the public for nothing. Uh-huh. Well, that's great.
0: Good call. And, and about... It. I
1: just can't see that it makes sense. Yep. Like,
3: that's Michael Palin mm. right there.
1: You could be much smaller in e-shopping drudgery if you shopped at speeds approaching the speed of light. E equals MC squared, Mrs. Particle. Right. And then, yep, and
0: then Graham Chapman is one of the cops. What's all this then? <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
4: Well, I mean, you guess you got to give it to Michael Lindsay Hogg then for setting that all up, you know, and and making sure we got cameras everywhere so we can see all of that.
2: And the one kid who doesn't like the Beatles. I mean, you like them? No. Okay. No? No. Not at all? Not now. They've changed completely.
0: Is this kid
2: from another planet? <laughs> <laughs> And he is dressed like everybody else on the street, but he has this psychedelic tie on. <laughs> this, this big, wide psychedelic tie. Move along.
0: My favorite is that one older gentleman who surprisingly really likes them. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, you wouldn't expect. And then when the interviewer said, would you want your
1: daughters? He don't disapprove them. Well, Don't disapprove of Beatles they not disapprove of their style, or not mind your daughter going out the Beatles. Why, why not? Because they've got money.
0: Well, there's honesty right there. (laughs) (laughs) We move on. We
2: we get a couple more shots of Paul looking over at the guys on the rooftop waving at him. Uh, (laughs) You know, these guys look a lot like the Bobbies from uh, I Am the Walrus.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. They do. I'd also like to point out that there's an aspect of, I guess, Michael Lindsay Hogg's filming instructions in that even during solos, Billy Preston is not filmed.
0: Yeah. What was up with that?
3: And they do Don't Let Me Down a couple of times. And so the fact that he's not filmed is obvious. I mean, it's like, wow.
2: Never in isolation. The only time we ever see him is in John or Paul's close ups. Hmm.
3: Yes. And there's one time later in the film when cops arrived. And Tony Richmond, who's the second cameraman, director of photography, I think. And he moves the cameraman to get the cops. And the shot inadvertently (laughs) includes Billy. (laughs) Right. So it's like, (laughs) that's where we finally see Billy. He's filming the police.
2: Do we know if Billy got paid for any of this? What we believe is that he got some sort of advance on the Apple contract in lieu of payment for get back. Okay. We don't know for a fact. I guess we're going to have to rely on... Lewis in to tell us this Right 10 years from now Oh, 20 <laughs> But from what I've seen They gave him some sort of advance On the album Okay They signed him off of Capital to
1: Apple My hand's getting uh, too cold To play a chord now I'm
2: still not sure Exactly how cold it was Paul doesn't look freezing And he- he's got the
4: least amount of Wintry stuff on, really
0: Yeah, John. Constantly, like, blowing on his fingers. Ringo looks cold at various points. Uh.
3: Paul's clearly not dressed for it. Maybe it's proof that he really wasn't going to go up on the roof.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, there's Neil Ennis from the Ruttles. It's like, it must have been bloody cold when they did it, but when we did it, it was in the middle of July. (laughs) (laughs) We were in all that gear and those wigs. It was the most uncomfortable afternoon I ever spent.
3: (laughs) Get up
4: and go. Yes. Brilliant.
2: We see, basically, everybody on the roof having a good time. Yoko aside, you know <laughs> Maureen and Kevin and uh, even Peter Brown in the stairwell, they're all just really getting in to get back here.
4: No, yeah, it's great to see, especially when you're seeing the shots from across the street, you know, the whole crowd up there. It is really cool. I mean, what would you give to have been one of those people, you know, on the roof that day?
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. yeah, I looked out to see what was going on. Everybody was looking up. And across on the roof of the Apple Building, number three, there was a performance going on. Savile Row just filled up. People all staring up into the sky. But the noise was huge. More and more people accumulated. I'd never seen Savile Row like it before. I would have been happy to be out on the street.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, this thing has just become so iconic. I can tell you at least three separate time travel stories where one aspect of it is either showing up on the rooftop right. or the Beatles just sort of appear on the rooftop in 2020X. It's <laughs> like, where did that come from? <laughs> this is history. Mm. Yeah,
1: I
3: like mm. the uh, fact that them playing together like that clearly enters John's mind as being what they used to do because he's constantly talking about requests from imaginary fans.
1: Uh. Thank you very much. much. It looks like Ted Dexter has scored another. We've had a request from Martin and Luther. Well, thank you, ladies. We've had a request from Daisy Morris and
3: Tommy. That's getting back.
0: (laughs) Ooh, nicely done, sir. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> After some of the street interviews They go into another version of Get Back This is version 2, two. This is the third consecutive Get Back
4: right. Which done seemed like it roof. had a little bit of a cleaner opening But Paul, again, I think he knocks it out of the park with his vocals Exactly Yeah,
3: he has that song nailed
2: Right Absolutely We see our friend, the man in the uh, bowler hat and the pipe On the roof across the way Yeah <laughs> Paul
4: does seem to look a little looser too By this second Get Back go around Yeah, Yeah. he
0: looks like he's having more fun at this point.
4: Right.
3: Well, it wasn't as scary as he thought.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think once he just started seeing people, Hmm. I mean, we all know Paul's a ham at heart. Right. You get him out there doing a performance, he'll be
0: happy. Hmm. Exactly. So why
2: didn't the microphones pick up any of the wind?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I mean, and particularly for that time period, the sound was excellent.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it did look like it was kind of windy out there that day, too. I mean, they didn't do the old sock over the mics like they did for the uh Mollican Tire sessions, but, um, you know, they didn't pick up any wind.
2: Didn't Mal get sent out to buy pantyhose or something? I and mean, <laughs> we don't see them, but... Right.
3: Are we talking about the mics now?
2: Or? No, George wanted them to go with a size 8 black <laughs> slip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there seems to be a um, fetish
3: here that I'm not quite getting...
1: <laughs> George is mm. like, dress me. <laughs>
3: I want a bow tie and I want shoes. Mm.
2: Oh. And the bow ties didn't make it up on the roof. John and George are not dressed in, in, in any particularly special way. Hmm. But they look very beatly. Now, what about the setup? The three separate mics is not their typical stage setup. I wonder why they did it that way.
3: Probably re- the recording aspect of it—separation and.
4: I mean, you'd figure that was probably about the size of the uh, of a cavern stage, cavern club stage. wouldn't you think? I mean, it, it really didn't have that much room up there.
3: No, actually, so
2: maybe even I slightly think it, larger. Yeah, I was gonna
3: say it was larger than the cavern.
2: Have you been to the current cavern, Tom? No, no, I have not. I have. So, what does the stage look like, kid? Yeah, I
0: mean, it's <laughs> it's small. I mean, it is a small, small stage I mean, I didn't get up on the stage Let me make that clear I saw it, but yeah, it is small
3: You look at photographs and you know Generally how long a guitar neck is And you see mm. how close Their guitars are It's right. a small yeah. stage
0: It is mm.
2: With the electrical behind it that George had to go fix every couple right. of days <laughs> Yeah and Then they move on to Don't Let Me Down The first Don't Let Me Down right? Didn't John flub a few lines? He sure did
4: The cold was getting to his vocals too Not just his fingers
3: (laughs) When you look at the evolution of Don't Let Me Down Did they ever decide what that line Was going to be You know, know, because John would Mm. sing it Differently all the time Yeah. Mm. And so Paul watched him very closely to see What words was he going to use this time (laughs) <laughs> uh, there's also a point in that version that uh, was funny because john exhales like you know mm. cause it's a hard vocal but it was kind of funny to see him react to that to mm. he was having he was struggling to do that
0: i think he even mentions you know, how much energy it took to sing that song
3: yes that and uh dig a pony
0: really yeah
2: right yes
0: yeah yeah, that all I want is you part. Right. We
2: cut down to the street. This is the first time we see the police showing up, the Bobby showing up. And then they're walking into the lobby, right, on this
4: song? Yeah. yeah. So this, this is about 10 minutes into the show. They're trying to find people, and no one's there. and
3: <laughs> It's very much about authority figures. like, well, there's something right. I could do. Uh, let me ask my manager.
4: Right. Well, we have yeah. to find my manager. And he's just sitting there patiently waiting. Is
2: this really necessary? Right, <laughs> yep. Debbie's there yep. making excuses.
4: Like, right. I,
0: I don't really know what's what's going on. You know, I I don't. I know. think they're making a film or something. Yeah, <laughs> she's just, she's awesome. She's my hero. She stole <laughs> them, and then they're like, "Well, we're we're looking for Derek Taylor. We don't right. know where he is. He wasn't even there." If
4: this concert was stateside, I mean, I don't think any cop would have waited. They would have gone up there.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, they were extremely polite. Although I've heard
2: that five to ten of those. 30 noise complaints were instigated by Apple.
3: Who did that?
2: Now, I mean, you know, it obviously became a real deal, but I've heard that there was like the only real person in the neighborhood who complained was the tailor two shops down. And the other complaints did certainly come in, and we, we now have stories that they actually called up on the police boxes, and they brought in, basically all hands in the area.
3: Sounds like a conspiracy theory.
2: The station that they mentioned that they could hear it as far away from, I looked that up on Google Maps, that is about nine-tenths of a mile away. That's an awfully long way for sound to carry. When you're down
4: below, when you hear the music, it does sound kind of muted. So and then, you know, going another
2: mile, I don't see how it could have bothered anyone.
3: Are you calling that policeman a liar?
2: Yes. <laughs> Actually, I'm not, because you all remember the World debacle a couple months back. Yes. Well, yeah. I live about two miles away from that site. Uh, while I couldn't hear clearly, I could hear the entirety of the show. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. It was very muffled, and it wasn't like... Right. I could just barely get to the point that, oh, I kind of know this song. Hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. That It wasn't much more than I could hear it, but I could hear it.
3: I remember being in the Montrose, and... Hearing Pink Floyd play at Rice Stadium
2: again, about two and a half, three miles, maybe. Oh, wow. Okay, fair enough.
3: It, I mean, sound does carry. I don't know if it was loud at the police
2: station enough that somebody could hear it. Yeah, could be. but still, I mean, given those amps, they weren't that powerful. No, amps.
0: yeah, as I was gonna say, this is 1969, you know. I mean, could the amps be that big?
3: No, you could see the amps they're playing. Too.
2: We'll call that as a maybe. It's just far enough, and it's also at a distance. And did they already have all these cords long enough
4: to go from the roof down to the basement to record? How was that all set up? Because
2: Magic Alex forgot to put a patch bay, they were already (laughs) running it out the door. Of the control room down the hall and around. So, you know, it's Mm. entirely possible that the length of cable they'd gotten to set that up was enough to get up the stairwell onto the roof.
3: I don't think so. I I think they had to gotten more, but it wouldn't have been impossible to do that.
2: This is EMI mobile equipment and I'm sure EMI was used to micing things up and being certainly a stadium length away from
3: Yeah, they, fair, they you know, yeah. EMI recorded concerts and you know all sorts of stuff. So it wouldn't have been hard to get.
2: Then they go on to I've Got a Feeling, right. which is the version on the album. Yes, great version. Love this. Yeah, perfect. Really the nerves have all broken through and they're just having a good time. They're happy, they're playing well.
3: They really are. I know everybody is probably very, very familiar with their music, but go back and listen to Paul McCartney playing on this song. Hmm. His bass playing is amazing.
4: I want to know if he still has that Hofner bass with the uh, baseman sticker on it.
2: Well, that's the same '63 bass. He just took the bassman sticker off. That came in the box that Fender lent him, and Paul liked the sticker, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it probably never stuck to the bass all that well. The decals that you can get now are probably much nicer than the one that Paul mm. actually had. Although the green color surprised me. You know, all the photos I've seen of that, I never knew that that thing was bright green like that.
0: Yeah. I just love the right. many moments when you can see, particularly once they get more comfortable, John and Paul looking at each other and smiling. And, right. you know, and you just get a sense that they are maybe remembering what it was like performing, mm-hmm. whether it was at the cavern or wherever it may have been. It's just really great to see them interacting like that
2: the best use of the split screen in, or the trip ditch. absolutely although i do really love when like john is on all three parts you get three angles of john mm. from right. i love when he does that as well yeah yeah, yeah. i think yeah. this
4: is when they really clicked up there after this i think everything just goes
2: very well great we went after 909
3: mm-hmm. well, there, i was gonna say there, there's a move that john makes that he never made playing concerts during Beatlemania, but he does several times here. And I just wonder whether it dates from their Hamburg days where he kind of turns to the side and throws his guitar up. And one time during two of us, Paul does the same thing. Like that was mm-hmm. something that they used to do.
2: It could be during Beatlemania, he, he was worried about catching it again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, if he tried to do that with the girls screaming. That would be <laughs>
4: funny, though, if, When um, during one of the, the close-ups of John, if he did that little tongue thing with his bottom lip, you know, and stuck it out a little bit. Right. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, that up close where he just sticks the, the tongue on the bottom lip and he sticks it out a little bit.
2: And he managed to go the whole show without pulling a crip once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: One after nine nine, he uh, gives a little bit of what he used to call the Liverpool leg. Kind of throws his crotch out there.
2: We get those really nice shots. From the guy who's on the next level of the roof, the one that they'd pulled Michael Lindsay Hogg onto, those are really cool. Yeah. <laughs> this
4: one after 909 too is, is pretty intense. I mean, I mean, it, it just really, they really rocked this one out. And uh, again, just phenomenal.
3: Yeah. George's evolution on that song is pretty incredible because, you know, he, he didn't used to play the song that way, but his performance at this particular time is just. Really, really good.
2: So after they finished the song, we we cut back down to the lobby again. Peter Jackson did a pretty good job of keeping to the band playing pretty much as much as he could. Yeah. In a lot of instances, believe it or not, they actually aren't filming the band. You got five cameras on the roof, but a lot of them were just being used for insert shots at any given time. We see Mal come down off the roof and he's a talking to the police right. they go into dig a pony and mal is just sort of talking to them until they eventually actually ask him can we go up on the roof yeah um,
4: what do you guys think of the uh, unedited dig a pony with the you know all i want opening i'd really enjoy that i liked that. It.
2: it took me
3: a while to get used to it I mean, when i first heard it i thought well yeah now i mean i know why he edited it out because it goes smoother into the verse Right. And during rehearsals at the Apple Studio, that part was a little uncomfortable. It's like they kind of got it. You know, you're supposed to kind of be ending you and then I comes right in. Right,
4: right, yeah. Um, yeah.
3: But now that I've heard it more and more now, it works fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: know,
2: it's it's an alternate version and it could have been equally as good. It, it probably isn't. Hmm. But I think they could have improved upon it another two weeks. Another six weeks yeah
0: yeah, for up to George. I tend to prefer the the just going straight into the verse. but maybe as you said Ed, if they had had more time to work on it, but I don't know. for me, the transition of the Ollie one is you you know going into I uh, just didn't work as well for me. you know I think just going straight into the verse. Maybe it's just because I'm used to that. You know, maybe that's Mm -hmm. part of it. But I don't know. I think I prefer that.
3: You know, if if you think about it, if you were making a record that all I want is you and you would hold that as John started I, I, I on top of it.
4: Yep. Oh, very
3: good. But Because they're doing it live, they have to kind of stop it.
0: Yeah, that just sounded awkward to me. So maybe, as you said, doing it that way. That would sound a little more natural.
2: Go well, back to Love Me Do and Paul, can you sing this? <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, otherwise it's love me wa. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: Remember that? <laughs> yeah, Paul's only told that story for the last two years. Exactly.
0: In yep, we can tell them all by heart.
2: But you can also see that John is his hands are very definitely getting cold. Yes. He makes a comment that he can't make chords. Mm. He's having a hard time with that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but he he's he's still really enjoying himself. I think he's enjoying himself much more here than he would a couple of years later at One to One. And that may be because he had Elephant's Memory behind him there. And, you know, well, Elephant's Memory is not the Beatles and Billy Preston. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think in that case, I mean, the attention was all on him. I mean, mm. he was the leader, he was the central figure. And by the way, this is something that you really see throughout the documentary not that this is big news to any of us but you really see these are four people that despite their differences and the ongoing issues they had these are four people that know each other very well they've worked together all this time and they just are a team and this documentary shows that and when they get up to play on the roof boy do they show how they can pull it together and they know each other so well that when you see them perform it just comes together no pun intended so well um (laughs) and you know so i think he probably just feels that way that you know these are his brothers and these are people that he just can probably anticipate what they're going to do Um, and the one-to-one concert completely different scenario
3: but you know it's funny that paul is going to be right again but this is what paul was saying all along you know we're nervous and we're you know, but right. once we get out there yep. it's going to be great because yep. it's us
0: and they did it I mean, that's exactly what happened.
3: Right.
2: So the tapes downstairs run out. They have to load new tapes. We get just a little jam of them uh, playing God Save the Queen. Which doesn't really seem to calm the cops at all. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that doesn't make them happy.
2: (laughs) Although I like uh, Michael Lindsay Hogg's, although it may have been Peter Jackson's editing choice to cut to the British flag. That's right. I noticed that that second time around. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Did we ever see Michael
4: Lindsay Hogg without a cigar in his hand during this whole time? (laughs) Well, I think he's got one
2: pretty much through the whole film. But he's still alive, you know.
3: Because you don't really smoke cigars. (laughs) You just (laughs) carry them around and chew on them.
2: For effect, yeah. Then we move on to I've Got a Feeling. This is also a great version of it.
4: Absolutely.
3: It is, except that John completely makes up his first verse.
0: (laughs) He does, you're right. I've Got a Feeling!
3: The last line, but he had to kind of cram in a, a rhyme just to get it.
2: Between the two versions, he managed to get through the song. You can edit them together, and that was what happened for Naked. Yeah, right. And George got the guitar bit right both times. Both times, uh, I
4: mean sure Paul, was ha- Paul was happy about that, I'm sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. I was impressed with the end of the song with Ringo. He's bashing the hell out of those drums.
2: Well, the, yeah. Ringo, the whole show, you put the cameras on him, Ringo's drums are
0: just incredible. Yep. Mm. And they always have been, right from some other guy. Absolutely. And if he was freezing as he was playing, it sure didn't affect him. He was flawless. <laughs>
4: It's that marine raincoat that did the trick. That's
2: right. <laughs> Love the raincoat. And we get the biggest split screen. We can actually see them in six screens, Brady Bunch style. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All five of the cameras plus the one across the way. Right.
4: Yeah, and then, you know, the cameraman on the street, you know, asking the, the younger girls. Hello, do you know what music
2: you're listening to at the
1: moment? No. Do you? No. You're listening to the Beatles music. You've heard
0: of
1: the Beatles?
0: Yes? Yeah. Do you like
2: their music? Yeah, they're good. Someone had said, you know, we're capturing the audience at a real interesting moment as well. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, once they broke up, all of this sort of fell into legend. The Beatles were still just a band at this point. Right. They were a popular band. Yeah. But they weren't the band that made sergeant pepper and that made the white album and that were on the roof and it's like it's mm. might as well be oasis at that <laughs> <Yeah. point>. hey <laughs> <laughs> my favorite bit here you got mal and you got the cops and you got this fella who just comes in and says uh where's my money <laughs> And Debbie <laughs> says, well, we put it in the post. <laughs> <and> it's like
3: <laughs> That's a perfect business excuse. No, really, we, we put the check in days ago. Yep,
2: the check's <laughs> in the mail. It's exactly. yeah, yeah. classic. Right. He's not like, gee, why are there cops here, and why is there a concert going up on the roof?
0: I want my money.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> he had to have walked through that crowd.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you just want to say, dude, the Beatles are playing on the freaking roof. <laughs> Go up there. What are you doing? They move on to uh,
2: the second version of Don't Let Me Down. And this is when Mal takes the cops up on the roof. The
4: best part for me on this performance is when Paul turns around, (laughs) sees the cops. He then turns back to the mic, smiles, and gives us a... Don't let me down. Is yeah. awesome.
2: <laughs> this is the, what we wanted
3: the plans have come <laughs> together
2: right exactly yeah. that's what he said back in twickenham that's right. what he wanted uh, oh
3: my god paul was right again <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and john just doesn't notice until right. he finishes the song mm-hmm. yeah
3: and the background of that, of course, is that he had been busted just a couple of months before. He wanted no problems with the cops.
0: Yeah, no. yeah. yeah I don't think he was as happy to see them.
3: <laughs> no, because you could go to jail.
2: Well, and as we found out, they weren't going to arrest any of them, but they did threaten to arrest Mao until Paul talked them out of it.
3: But I have a question about that, and that is the cops actually leave before they finish Get Back. They finish don't let me down and immediately go Mm -hmm. into get back. In fact, I don't even hear a count. Boom. We're, we're going right into it. And so they've started another song immediately and the cops leave. So Hmm. something had to have been arranged to get them to go before the damn music
2: stopped.
4: Yeah. They did play the whole song. Didn't
2: they? It's a short version.
1: camera crew on the top of the
0: building. Yeah, get oh, back. You You've been out too long,
4: Loretta. You've been playing on the roofs again. And that's no good. Cuz you know your mommy doesn't like that. Or she gets angry. She's gonna have you arrested. Get back. Oh,
3: get- Maybe you don't want to say that right. in front of the cops. Get the cops off right. the roof. <laughs> I'll to do my little bit. Right. <laughs> and you know, I just don't know
2: mal was there turning off the amps mm. to, to john and george's consternation yeah
3: and i was real proud that it was george who just like click it back on
0: george
2: yep he was the rebel george turned his own back on and i like that you can hear the clicks on the tape yeah yep. right. get back jojo i think george was the rebel that whole month yeah, yeah. george turns his own amp back on and then then mal turns john's back on
3: mm. right which I understood was the reason why Mal got arrested. He had talked to the cops or, and he knew what was going on, and then he turned John Sam's back on.
2: So then maybe that's why they just left then, and then they take Mal with them. As I understand it, they left. Mal was behind them, and then they were in the lobby for a bit, and they were going to arrest Mal and take him down. But the band came down, and then Paul talked to the cops, and it's like gave
3: him a couple autographs. Paul McCharmley. <laughs>
2: And then there's the the neat thing that one of these PCs went on to be Princess Diana's security chief. Ian Wharf was Princess
1: Diana's bodyguard in the 1980s.
4: Wow. What are the chances of that happening again? Yeah. They leave the roof. Disturbing the peace. Peace means like noise. As Mike
1: was saying, maybe this is a very good dry run for something else, too. Apart from the value of this own as it, as it stands. Yeah, it's you
2: know, yeah, and for taking over London. We see them going downstairs, and then we next see them down in the basement listening to the playback and really enjoying it. Everybody's having a great time.
0: I absolutely loved this part. Because I did not expect to see this. Talk about being a fly on the wall. I mean, it was just wonderful to see this, to see them just being on a natural high this time.
3: It was family. Yeah. Maureen was there, and Linda, and... Yoko. Everybody was there.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the brilliance of the whole rooftop just about everybody from the entire film shows up again. I guess
0: nobody ever
2: really done
0: me. And then it was really cute when Paul and Linda were holding hands and Ringo put his hand on top of theirs. And then they were kidding around. It was it was really cute.
3: Right. I guess they had to bring Ringo's drums down. I mean, they weren't going to bring the piano down from anywhere. The piano was there. And they were playing acoustic guitars. So they were going to record that afternoon. And they didn't because they had to bring the equipment down. And down I was thinking, right. how much equipment really had to come down? It seems like it would take an hour.
2: The other thing is, I think the adrenaline wore off, and they were all just kind of, well, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> and so we go to the closing credits, uh, we see what they did the next day over the closing credits. I kind of wish that he'd found a way to slip in this day, other than just as split screens over the closing credits. Yep, yeah,
3: it's a shame not to have those songs as part of this.
2: I mean, part two was
4: the longest. They could have added another ten minutes to that and did those three songs as they should have.
3: Is it because of the proprietary aspects of "Let It Be"?
2: I don't think that, and it's not a version that's on the box set. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've got both "Let It Be" and "Long and Winding Road." The videos. Yeah. I mean what what I would have done is I would have done it Marvel style. Run it exactly as you run it but just sort of do a third of the way through the credit scene. Oh, yeah, right. Run the Sullivan, Let It Be, hmm. then, you know, another third, and then you run this Long and Winding Road, and then right after the end of the credits, you run Two of Us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this was my one bone I had to pick. thought the ending was very disappointing. You know, the Long and Winding Road and Let It Be, those are important songs, and to relegate them to the credits, you know, the recording of them, I thought was a big mistake. I'm not saying that the final day should have been as long, as the other days that they profile. I'm not saying that, but I do think to just have it be over the credits, I just thought that was a mistake. I also think another way they could have ended the film was kind of what they did, although, again, not as long, but something like they did with the first 10 minutes of the film where they went through sort of a timeline before they began the Let It Be sessions or the Get Back sessions. At the end... Maybe have something, again, not that long, but for the people who perhaps aren't as familiar with what happened after they ended these sessions about how then the tapes were shelved for a while. And and then this ended up being their last album, even though they ended up recording Abbey Road after, you know, something along those lines, some explanation.
3: Half the songs you've heard so far will end up on Abbey Road. right (laughs)
0: Right. yeah i mean exactly they could have had something like that for the people watching who may not be as familiar it's kind of a complicated story it would have been a nice bookend so that's another way they could have done it
3: one of the things i noticed in the ending that he presented it's two of us let it be long and winding road That's all paul material Mm. and so if you just put those videos there, or th- those songs, then it's very heavily weighted towards Paul as if the group is <laughs> just right. in the background. What he did do was put on a lot of John's humor interspaced with all that. You know, my favorite was what he
1: said. I'll never get Maggie Mae if to go on like this.
2: And run for your life. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I knew he did it, but it's like, well, that it got included here.
0: Yeah, that was interesting.
3: If you just put those pieces of music at the end, you see George in the background pounding down wine, um, <laughs> and
2: I mean, to a certain extent, it, it does serve as a postscript. They had this moment, and then, well, they're just going to fade away for a little bit now. I mean, if we're going to continue, yeah, sure, they do come back for Abbey Road, but in terms of the story they're telling here, they had their moment. <laughs> right. They had
3: their moment on the roof, and now Paul.
2: And now we're back to where we were at the beginning of the film where Paul's trying to run the band. <laughs> the <laughs> end. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. We are done with Get Back for now. <laughs> As we mentioned, we've been doing Let It Be and Get Back since the box set came out way back in October. <laughs> wow. We've been talking nothing but. That's commitment right there.
3: It's It's been like, what is it? 20-something weeks?
2: <laughs> Not quite, but 10 weeks at least. Well, we got seven here. Because we didn't have enough time, we didn't do a disc a week with the Get Back box. We can combine some of them together, if you'll remember, <laughs> because this film came out before we could complete our box <laughs> review. But So we just combined some stuff together. <laughs> so we'll come up with something for the next couple of weeks and then then we'll have Ken Womack back that won't be entirely get back talk but it will be significantly get back talk I would say Hmm.
3: yeah we actually kind of have one that is tied to get back and that is when the Beatles planned the get back project the idea was that they were going to come in and do a a concert using songs from the White Album
4: Hmm. that's right
3: and so I think Ed and I have talked about what songs would you pick from the White Album to do a concert.
2: And from their previous canon, because it probably wouldn't have just been a White Album show.
3: Right. But there's all sorts of questions that would come up. I mean, would they do their typical 30-minute show, or would they decide to do something longer? You know, what songs are going to transfer to playing live? Hmm. Lots of interesting
2: questions. All right. So, Kit, they can find you on Talk More Talk every other Monday, and Tom is with you on that show as well.
0: Indeed. You can find me there on uh, talkmoretalk.com. You can find us, of course, on our Facebook page. As for me, you can find me on kidotool.com, and you can also find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter as well, at Kidotool.
2: And Tom is on Two Legs, perhaps the only other show which puts out as many episodes as regularly as we do.
4: Two Legs is a weekly show, so yes, all Paul McCartney and Talk More Talk with my wonderful co-host Kit here and Ken Michaels. and and Mean Mr. Mayo. And you can find me on Facebook at Tom Hunyadi and uh, with the Two Legs uh, Facebook page and the
2: Talk More Talk Facebook page as well. All right. So John and I will be back next week. Indeed. <music> Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by J. Young Kim, Easter Famine Studios, San Francisco, California.
0: And Ken was one of the few people to get up on the Apple roof itself.
1: <laughs> these these railings weren't here, but there was some makeshift health and safety here to stop them falling off the edge. Um, and John Lennon was over there. There were people moving around, taking better better shots, etc. Nobody certainly didn't want to, sort of say to them, turn this music down. It was just, you know, how long have we been to go on for? Can we have another song? It gave thousands of people, you know, one of the most great experiences of their life. And for me, as a young police officer here in the 1960s, to come up and stand next to, you know, one of my... Pop idols was something I'll never forget. Free. I tell you one thing, there's sickness going on, and there's some good people doing work in hospitals, but they got no bread to do it on. Not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people, but they're, they're scraping the barrel for funds to keep going. Turned up nice again.